You are now listening to Memoirs of a Christian Minister with Cephas Crosslid. Hey everyone, I hope you're having a wonderful week. Hope you missed me. I saw there's a few views, or I mean a few listens, and I'm, I'm actually happy about it. Last last episode was pretty crazy, right? Tongues and stuff. I'm going to have another, I think I have to have another episode on the gift of tongues because there's just so much more to unpack, but I think I said a lot of stuff that I wanted to say. Like I actually went through the actual <laughs> phrasing and actual things like say, verbalizing the tongue. So I thought it was pretty fun and I'm glad that I did it. Today, I just kind of wanted to visit this part of my life that kind of did a lot for me uh, in that time. And uh, it's about missions, okay? Let's just talk about missionary trips, missions. There's a, there's a lot of different things involved with this. So when I talk about missions, I'm not talking about a missionary. A missionary, like a real legit missionary, will dedicate their whole life to go to a different place, a whole different place and literally live there and do the work of a pastor in a different land, in a different whole culture. Great, noble work. I couldn't do it, so I give it up to people who can. Then there's missions. Excuse me. Then there's missions. And, and when I'm talking about missions, I'm talking about the annual missions that most churches do. A lot of churches go to Mexico for an annual mission because it's very close and they want to do something international. A lot of churches go to Asia, different parts of Asia, different islands. Some people go to East Europe. People go to Africa. All over the world, people go and do missions work, which is either short-term mission, which means two weeks to about six months. And that's six months is that you're kind of hardcore short missions. What I want to talk about is the short missions, like the two-week, maybe four-week kind of missions. And um, just kind of just share the things that I've experienced, that I've seen in those types of settings, in those types of uh, situations. So we, as in my first church that I served... That was ridiculous. It was the craziest church. Like, oh my gosh. I I don't want anyone else to experience that kind of uh, stupid stuff that happened to me. But um, in the first church um, that I served, we the first uh, mission trip that I ever been to was not Mexico, believe it or not. Or I think it wasn't. Maybe it was, but the first memorable mission trip that I did, I'll talk about Mexico, was to Eastern Europe. We went as a church to Uzbekistan and Kazakhstan, specifically Tashkent in Uzbekistan and Almaty in uh, Kazakhstan. And it was a trip, I am not going to lie, uh, for for someone like me to go do something like that, it was such a trip. Um, so I was the sound guy, the audio video guy for the church during that time. 
And they wanted me to do the camcorder, like carry around the video camera and take pictures during the whole missions trip, which for me, I was like, thank God. Because the way most Korean churches do missions, at least back then, like it was early 2000s, this is what they did in the 90s as well, is that you would learn songs for, you would do a VBS for the kids. A VBS is a vacation Bible school, which is like here in America, you would probably set aside maybe five days out of, you know, out of the summer and do a program for the kids since they're out of school and do like a program every day where they can come and have fun. And there's like themed messages, games and crafts and stuff to do. Well, most short-term missions is they would create a children's program for the children of other nations, which is great. One of the best reasons, one of the best memories I had was doing these things for the children. And these children in other countries, they don't have much. And so when you do these things, it just brings a smile to their face and it's just, it just does wonders. And so we were making VBS. We were learning the Russian language because that's the language they speak in Uzbekistan and, Tash, and Kazakhstan majority. So we were learning kids songs in Russian, getting our uh, dances right and straight, having a lot of fun. Um, and then we were getting right into it being drilled. And when they said, hey, Cephas, can you be the camcorder guy? Can you, we need someone to get all the footage. I was like, yes, sir, I'll do it. So I didn't have to do much of the dancing and all that other stuff, but I was there during the whole training process of everyone on the team learning how to speak certain phrases, learning all the songs in Russian, coming together as a, as a team and, and talking about the different things that we're going to do, uh, feeding the community and doing all these different things. And so I was given a fortunate role. I was also, um, I was like a, a so assistant kind of pastor. So not only am I helping out with the AV technology stuff, I'm helping people, you know, like I help people if they don't know what the Bible means and they come to me and, you know, it's a weird setup. So what's involved in these missions? Um, there's a lot of, there is a lot of planning. And the planning goes a long way. And then all the setup and preparation, learning the songs, learning everything. Um, the prayer meetings and going to these things, becoming more solidified as a team. And then going out there. It is, this is a big thing. Think about it. A group of people kind of in their young adult age, like, you know, 20s, and they're going across on to the other side of the world so we all had to raise our own money we had to do garage sales raise the, the money to buy tickets and we all did and that's where i'm like very i'm very kind of a uh, curious how a lot of people think about that like the amount of money that it costs to send one person on a plane to another country as far as Uzbekistan or Kazakhstan is well over like nine hundred dollars, probably a thousand, right? And then we go there, but what do we do with that? And that's kind of where my conflict lies in all of this missions work. 
because it's like an annual thing. And back then, it was more of like a thing where, you know, it was normal. Like a lot of churches understood, oh, you would be crafting a, a missions letter, you know, and sending them out to people who could fund you uh, and help raise money so that you could be flown out to a different country and, you know, quote unquote, spread the gospel, right? And automatically, you're like, whoa, I'm collecting all of this money. And instead of like giving it to like a missions or a different organization, I'm going to be buying tickets so I can go there on my own with, I mean, with a group of people. I don't know how you feel about yourself when you were in your 20s, but I knew, I was a very honest and very um, introspective person. I knew I was stupid. I knew I was pretty dumb. Even though I was like an assistant pastor type of person, I knew I was, I was just very immature. I was naive and dumb. As all 20s should hopefully know within their heart and just don't admit it. So I'm like, why am, is the church investing money in me to send out there? And the way that they use that is like, they really guilt trip you because they're like, hey, you know, we're, there's a lot of money. People are investing in you. So you better do the best out there. And it's like, okay, I better do the best. So I'm not going to lie. A lot of the missions trip is good. It's good, right? You know, putting on a program for kids, it's good. Giving them gifts, you know. And so there were, there were moments where we would come together as a group and pack, package these gifts that we would bring to these other countries. Little, little like school supplies, little games, little toys, little memo pad and notebook and things that they could use. And there's a lot of good things that happen in these annual short-term missions. But behind all that, I have a problem with the financial stress, the burden, and ultimately the relationship of churches to each other. Like that's like the last thing that, that, that really gets to me. But let me talk about other things that are involved in this. As a Pentecostal church going on missions, it's not just helping out. It's not just painting a fence or cleaning up a church, um, you know, um, feeding some of the poor kids and putting on. It's not just that. It is putting on a prayer service. And if you thought that what I was talking about praying in tongues in the last episode was wacky, like it's basically we're taking this kind of prayer and going across the ocean and we're showing them how to do it. And it was so like the whole time they're training us. They're like, you, when you pray, you need to pray out loud. I talked about this last episode and I just thought it was very interesting. We're, we're still visiting it again. It's like when you're in another country, we are representing the church that planted this church. Okay. This church is our sister church. We planted this. So we need to show them how we really pray in our home church. And so we're all kind of going through this missions training, but part of it was praying out loud. Some people just don't pray out loud, but we're like being told that that's the best way, the only way to pray. And it gets, it's crazy. And I'm just like, wow, we really doing this? We really doing this? So we all prayed out loud. When we went out there, we prayed out loud. It's so weird. We went to the airport out there. It's a Muslim country. my my, And we're praying as a group. And it's like, 
It was the, it was the weirdest thing. It's like, yeah, you think, oh, when you pray as a group, you know, and you're in a place, just pray in your heart. But we didn't do that. When you pray, hey, mouth your prayer. I'm like, what? Mouth my prayer? You really can't let go of this thing, can you? You can't get let go of this praying out loud stuff. Like, wow. Mouth your prayer. It's crazy. Missions. There is a lot of praying in tongues. Like, I don't know how any of those people who went to missions went to missions like with the with a genuine like understanding that they're gonna do something different. Like it's crazy a lot of stuff that happens out there. When you're in a different when you're in a different country and you're kind of stripped of everything you know in your regular life and you're with a whole group that is unified with one kind of mindset of like this culture, different things happen. Uh you you start looking at each other differently. Um, you know, you start thinking differently. You start thinking this is the, the best way of life. Like, I remember after like a day or two, you get used to being out there and it's like your whole mindset changes because you're just in this mission type of mindset mode. And you're like, yeah, we're really going to make a difference. Like, wow, I'm out here making a difference. I'm like, no one knows who I am. I don't know any of these people. I'm just going to be great. I'm going to do such great things. And when I go back home, I get to do my, you know, live my life normal, whatever. But this, I get to take this moment forever. And it's like, you go out there, you have that moment, your life is changed. You come back home. What about those people? I feel it's almost like as if you use those people so that you could change your life and you come back home. What about those people? I'll tell you about those people. They're going to get another group of church, you know, young adults coming over the, the week after. Because this is what happens with annual church missions, all right? Now we're getting into the nitty gritty. Look, missions are great. The, the first reasons why you go to missions are great because you want to support a church that's that's not that doesn't have much as you. You know, you want to go to a different culture and be a sister, you know, tied and have a relationship. But it gets out of hand. It gets out of hand. We have what we call, uh, what I want to call, revolving door missions where they're really well-to-do good missionaries living and running a church that is in the middle of a community that is not their original ethnic community. So like you got Korean pastor, Korean missionaries living all over the world, running churches and living in communities that are not of their ori origin, you know, Korean land. Okay. Not just Koreans. I'm just talking about my context. It could be anyone. But what, what happens is these churches in other countries during the summer times and these off times of the year, they get visitors from churches all around the world who do the same exact thing. So all this important, you know, oh, wow, we're doing something really good. Oh, we're, we're, we have this 
assembly line. We're packaging all these gift bags for the kids, school supplies. Oh, we're helping, you know, make the church look good. We're praying for, we're doing prayer meetings. We're putting on this show and songs and all this work. You think you're really special, right? You think you're making a difference, right? You think you made some friends that'll last a lifetime and that is unique. You think you're the only Korean person that they met all year, right? Guess what? If you're not the first one that year, you're definitely not the 10th one. You're probably the 20th person that did the same thing for the church. And your church is probably one of the many churches that did it. All that prep work. All that frustration, team building, learning the language, sweating, you know, praying, you know, putting on this thing so that you could just be one out of 20 churches or whatever amount of churches that come that summer week after week. And these kids, they don't get a break, really. But it's, it's okay for them because all they know is that during the summertime, it's fun time. We get all these gifts. We get to play at church. We get all these programs. It's great because that's, and then we get to have free food because the church prepares all this food for the mission team, but also for the community because why not? You know, the church that visits, they bring money. Every church brings money to support them financially, which as they should, but with the money, it's not just one church, it's many churches. So they have to put on a big feast for the community. So every year, these communities that get these missionaries, these missions teams, they know that in one point of every year, like one chunk, like a few weeks, a chunk, mostly in the summertime, the kids and parents, they know, let's go to church because they're going to have a free program from different all around the world for the kids not only that they're going to bring goodies so that we can take advantage of that not only that we're going to have free dinner listen this not only happened in uzbekistan and kazakhstan this happened in mexico missions not only that i i've been to uh um to the the indian reservations in arizona missions there they had the exact same thing going on this revolving door missions and it's like I cannot take that. Just knowing that these well-to-do people, you know, they join this missions team because they have a really pure heart and they want to do it for the right reasons. And then when they get there, they're just kind of met with this rush, rush kind of attitude. Like, oh yeah, the thing, thank you. Look, I once I went to these Indian, Indian reservations to lead a missions trip on the last day when we were packing up our vans to leave. The, the missionary was so frantic and I was wondering what the heck's going on. He's like, oh, he's passing out brooms to all the kids so that we could all like sweep the floor and we're all like rushing. He's like, oh, make sure all the trash is taken out. All the kids are rushing. Okay, you got all the sleeping bags? Okay, all the bags are in the, in the truck? Okay, the truck? Okay, time to go. Let's pray in a circle. And even the prayer circle, the guy's kind of rushing and itching. I'm like, what's going on? And then we all got in our vans, ready to leave. Everything was in the car. And once we start leaving, I see a caravan of other vans with a church logo on their side coming into the same church 
How do you think a leader of a missions team feels when they see that and experience that? We feel like you're taking advantage of us, okay? We feel like you're taking advantage of this system that has been put in place for really good reasons, but now it has become a thing to just sustain your life. Guess what? These people not only just put on a show, they take that money. Churches give that money to those missionaries, not for them to like give out to the people, but for their livelihood. So think about it. If all these churches think that they're doing this good thing for this one missionary, but you're not the only church, you're one out of multiple churches. Think about how much money this missionary makes by living in a community, toiling, right? Toiling their their lives away. This cruel life, right? Just just giving your life up and, and just... Just giving it up for the people of this other culture. Yeah, how well are you doing when in the summertime from July all the way to September, you get every single week, you get this new group of young, vibrant, passionate Christians who are putting on a show for your kids and your community, give you some money so you can buy a little extra food to feed them. And I wonder what happens throughout the rest of the year. Sad to say, I, I had a conversation with one of the community members and they basically said what I was suspecting. It's, these people never come out to this, this church except for that time of the year in summer. That's what happened. That's what I learned talking to this Indian reservation after I did this, like second to last day, we had a big dinner for the community and I talked to the people and they said, yeah, we don't even come out to this. We don't even come out to church. We just came out because this happens every year. And and they literally, this is what the community members told me. And it's like, not only are they taking advantage of the the church and well-to-do church, they're not doing anything for themselves. And so in many ways, the church doing these things is crippling the community so that the community not only stops working for themselves during these times because they think it's free handouts, is that they just, they and then the second thing, they feel that they are entitled to this now. That's how they were in this Indian reservation. They were like, oh yeah, it's this summertime. You should feed us. You should be putting on a show for our kids. They said this, I'm just like, wow, wow. That is just Insane, insane. So as much work, as much wonderful feelings there are for, you know, going on missions trips and helping out a community in need, there is a lot of thing. there is something to say about the nitty gritty stuff when you when you look past all of that whimsical and wondrous surface level view of what of what missions can be let's take a break all right we're back um i hope 
um, the breaks aren't too much for you. Look, this is a new podcast show. I want to see if I can make more episodes. And if I can get some sort of support with this, hey, I can make more episodes for you. So I hope you're enjoying. I'm going to just talk about a few stories of mission strips now. Now that I kind of said my say, some stories. Um, when I was younger, I went on missions. And uh, my buddy, he was also one of the assistant pa like pastors. He was very, uh, he, he, he was not a healthy person. That's all I could say. Well, this person, he was a little older than me. And so when we, when we went out to missions, we were out there in Uzbekistan and Kazakhstan. And he, he is not healthy in a way where it's physically, it's physically obvious he's not healthy and it, it doesn't do any help for him in the sense of romantic pursuits. Okay. So here's this guy, he's out on missions. He's, he's, he's been away from his comfort zone at home and he's kind of in this new jive and a new identity outside of his own perspective, kind of a new person because he's, he's in a different country and he falls in love. He meets this girl and he falls in love and then he's like, oh dude, what should I do? And it's crazy because when you go out to missions with someone like me, I get nuts. I get fun and risky. So I'm just, I'm just like, hey, ask her out, man. It was crazy. So this guy... He's like, I'm going to ask her out, but I got, you know, it's it's tricky because it's a church thing and I don't want to, I'm just like, got to ask her out. So this person, he wrote a note and he gave it to her and the girl received a note. And on the last day we were in that city, the, the girl talked to my friend and she goes, look, thank you for the note. I'll keep in contact with you. I'm very flattered. Gave him an email address and left it at that. We come back home about a year later. I guess they were kind of dialogue, you know, talking back and forth. And she says she found the man. One story down from missions, a heartbreak story. Let's see another story about missions. Let's see. Um, gosh. the pastor that we were with, this pastor was pretty belligerent. Um, he would just kind of just shoot from the hip and say whatever. One, one prayer meeting, we were in Uzbekistan in the big church and we were in the front altar area where, and we made a prayer circle. We started praying. And one thing I will never forget him saying, we were praying and praying and praying out loud. And he goes, you know, Jesus says, trust in me and I'll give you life. So you guys trust in me and we'll make sure we do Jesus' work. He, he said that. I, I think I'm the only one who heard that. And I was, that was the moment where I was like kind of getting turned off by this guy. Like this guy is off his rocker. He's and the stuff that he preaches off. And at that point, I'm like, man, this guy is more about that kind of like celebrity culture where he's like i am in charge i'm the main pastor and so what i say goes and i think he got kind of whipped up into the moment he i don't think he meant to say that but he did say that and i thought that was kind of weird 
I don't know why I shared that. Maybe you're like, what? What is that story about? Um, let's see another another story. Once I went to Mexico <laughs> on a missions trip, and we were supposed to give out candy, okay, to all the kids, and we didn't have anything to eat, and so me and my buddy, <laughs> we went we went into the candy bag and we stole some candies, right? But we were like supposed to we were supposed to stand in a line in front of our hotel building and pray. So me and my buddy, we we had like um like a tootsie roll and like a, a blow pop that we took out of the bags that were meant for the kids because we didn't eat anything all day, and no one was eating for some reason. And we we're like, f that. And it was funny. It was like I I had the blow pop in my mouth, and then I turned to the corner so no one could see me. But they're all lined up, you know, going over their worship song in in Spanish, and then I I would take a lick of the blow pop take the pop out of my mouth, put it behind my back and come out front again while everyone was kind of singing the song and I would just hum and hum. And then like me and my friend, we would go take turns. <laughs> like as if like, if we stand there, people will not notice that the other guy is gone. And we were being stupid. So I stood there. My friend went to the side of the building, you know, took, took some, you know, some candy, ate it, started chewing it and went around the corner. I would go back. And it was funny because like, we finally, it was the, the end of the blow pop and you know how it's a stick. And it was like, we were still doing this back and forth and then it was my turn. The blow pop was done and I took a bite. Like I took, I went, be, my I put my head behind the wall, took a bite and I looked at my friend. He looked at me back and then I did one of these things where, you know, you look around and you throw your cigarette butt away, but it was the popsicle stick. So I went, huh? Shh. And I threw the popsicle stick away. We went back in line and they never knew that we took candy away from those <laughs> kids' bags. Oh man, I'm so horrible. Another story from missions when we went to Mexico one time. It's pretty sad. Um, we were supposed to go out to the community, you know, have fun, you know, serve them, you know, you know, shake hands and hug people and pray for people. And when we did that, oh my gosh, it was just so messed up. I was one of them too. We would we would go around. And the messed up thing is, there is always this group of people who would only go to the kids who looked good, according to, you know, certain Western beauty standards. And the kids and the people who were kind of shabby and you could tell like, man, they did not take a shower for a day. They would not go to them. So it would be a mix. Of course, you know that in the, in the end, in the back of everyone's mind, they would love to be able to go up to and hug and shake hands of people who were only clean and they were put together. And so there's this dynamic where People were getting mad that they were only going for the clean people. But at the same time, you also only want the clean people, but you don't want to show people that you're against the dirty people. So it's like, this is dance. So it's like, oh, you, you shake and hug a few people that look good. And then you look for the people who look the worst. <laughs> and you shake their hand. But not only that, once you stop shaking their hand, it was like you would whisper to the person behind you, psh, psh, give me some Purell. And they would put some Purell on their hands behind them. They would wipe their hand and, you know, rub it off. I'm just like, this is just the craziest dynamics that are happening in missions this year. Where it's like, you have to choose bad looking people 
to counter counteract this weird sense that you only want to shake hands and hug clean looking people and so it's like you're forced to look for the nasty looking people but at the same time now in your mind you have become the judge of who looks bad and poor and not put together and who doesn't and it's it's a funny dynamic it really is um that, that was just another ramble story i wanted to share um as we going back to the story when I went out to Kazakhstan and Uzbekistan, as we went out there, it was, it was a trip. It was a trip. They, the, the, the Pentecostals out there, they're really super into that spiritual stuff, way more than the people from the church. And it was interesting though. It was almost as if there was, um, an exact carbon copy of our church laid into that church because when we went there it was almost as if they learned exactly how to do services from our church and i just thought that was interesting because you would think that when you are a missionary planning a church in a different country you would want to more cater to whatever that culture maybe makes it into you know but instead it was like this church brought this church and they taught the people to do church this specific way. And so during the prayer meeting, it was literally like we were all on the same page. And it was like, that was kind of creepy. That was kind of creepy. Um, there was one time we were out in Uzbekistan. I couldn't sleep. It's like, you can't sleep when you're like sleeping on the floor at a church and it's dark. You're at a place you don't know. It's, it's there's bugs. It's it, it. Okay, when you go out there, it's in the middle of summer. It's musky. It's oh, humid. It's nasty. And I was just sticky. And I'm like, it's in the middle of the night. It was like it was like three a.m. Right. And I was like, man, when you go out there, we had to like we had to take poops. We had to go to the bathroom in a hole in the ground. So we had to squat the whole time. And we've been doing that every single day. And I was like, you know what? I ain't having this. So at 3 a.m., I went into the girls' restroom. And I was scared because I was like, I cannot have the girls see me. So it's 3 a.m. I'm literally like tippy-toeing up the stairs. And the girls get a toilet. And I knew that. And I was like, heck no. I went in there. I locked the stall. And look, yeah, I got a bunch of paper towels and kind of wet them because, you know, wipes. So I went there. I wiped the stall. You know, I wiped the seat down. I sat down and did my business. The thing is, the reason why they have a lot of holes in the ground for the guys and, you know, not a lot of sitting toys is to save water, right? But me and my American cleanly ass, I just had to be clean. And so I did my business. It was great because I was no longer squatting. I was just sitting. And so I, I just, I took my time. I think a girl came in and I just, I was just quiet. I just didn't say much. I just hoped you know, they saw my feet. They went in and they went out. They went into sleep. They didn't ask any questions. I, I think they were like, oh, who is there? And I just went, hmm, or something. I don't know. But I did my business. And as I was, you know, cleaning up, the toilet 
was kind of, I, I don't know if I put too much pa- paper towel in there. So I had to spend a little time and I did it. It was one of the craziest things because they didn't let the guys use the toilet. And it was like one of those moments, it was Mission Impossible. I did my business and then I quietly walked down the stairs, quietly went into the room and it's acted like nothing happened. Next morning, all the guys are complaining, man, I hate going to the bathroom in the floor. And, and meanwhile, here I am just... If you only knew, guys, if you only knew the heavenly moment I had of sitting on a chair, on a toilet. Oh, man. It was pretty crazy. But Also, when you're young and you're a guy or you're a girl even, you start checking out the people in that other country. You really do. And I'm not going to lie. Every missions I went to, that's my that was my MO. It's like, let's check out which of these girls are hot in this other country. What what church girl is the cutest in this church that we're going to do missions in? And literally every time I went to missions, there would always be like one or two really cute girls from that church, the cutest girls of the church, of course. And it would just play in the dynamics. So imagine being a young person going on missions, trying to be keeping your head straight. But every time you're always like, oh, cute girl, cute girl. And everything that you do, it's so that you can get their attention for some reason. And and stupid me, I would try, I, would, I thought that being Mr. Church Guy was getting all the girls' attention because all these other girls in these countries, they seem to... Be drawn to church because, I don't know, that's where the culture was. But then, you know, I, I felt I felt really stupid because I would find myself doing stupid church things to the extreme so that possibly that cute girl from that church in this different country could look at me. And that's what happened when I went to Uzbekistan and Kazakhstan and Mexico. I would, you know... Oh, you know, I'd see that the cute girl was looking at me. And then so I'd be like, oh, are we praying? La, 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 la. I'd be praying loud. I'll be the loudest prayer in tongues. Or if it's during VBS, right, for the other kids, and I'm, we got to do a dance for this, this song for the kids. I, if, if the girl that I thought was cute was there, I'd go crazy with the dance and sing. It was, it's crazy. When you're out in a different country and you're young and you're, you know, you're romantically, you know, not chained up you're free and you're looking you're like wow how would life be if i would you know have this romantic relationship with this other person from a different country your mind really goes out there if you ever been out on missions i hope you understand what i'm talking about because these things do happen like you start getting lonely the group that you're with it's kind of like hands off you don't want to even be with those other people and you look at these other girls and these other cultures like, ooh, interesting. So what happens? You try to uh, keep in contact with them. And that's what I did. I, When I was in Kazakhstan, there was this really cute girl. And she went to all, she came to all the church services. And I guess she had her eye on me and I talked to her, broken English. And I got her <laughs> contact. I came home and I, I lost it and I, I was like, oh, whatever. And she somehow found me and then she started like following me. And I'm like, oh, interesting. Nothing really happened, but I, was just, I just thought it was interesting that from that just one little visit, this girl kind of like 
stayed in contact with me. Nothing happened. You know, of course, how, how can anything happen if you're living on the other side of the world? But that's a dynamic too in the whole missions culture in churches is the whole dynamic of these off romantic things that happen. So missions in church is just a whole bag of stuff. It's a whole roller coaster. And when people come back from missions, they have this whole changed perspective. And I think that's where a lot of people should be careful. I remember after the first time I came back from missions, I was so like, wow, I'm on fire for God. Like, oh, I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm passionate for the word of God. I'm passionate to get the, the gospel to the ends of the earth. And I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, really, when we went out to these mission trips, what of any of it had anything to do with saving souls or preaching the gospel? It was more for maintaining the kids of the community, which is great. It's community service. But I don't know why there is such a push for, oh, we're preaching the gospel to these other countries. But when we go out there, it's not necessarily that. And when we go out there and we do preach the gospel, guess what? It's at the church service where... Guess what again? People who are already Christian are sitting there. Okay? So we are doing all of this work to go to another church in another country to preach a message to people who are already Christian so that we could save lives. Hmm. And justification is, well, you never know if there's a non-believer out there in the audience who will be touched. And if that one person is saved, it'll be all worth it. Sure. Okay. These are the things that happen in church missions, believe it or not. And if you are of the ilk or you come from a background of missions and you this makes sense to you or these are familiar, please email me. You know, memoirs of a Christian minister at gmail.com. Let me know. Let me know we're in solidarity. If you've never experienced these things, then what I'm telling you, you're like, oh my gosh, let me know. Missions is such a crazy thing at church, but those are my memories. I'm not a missionary kind of guy. I am okay with not going to missions. I am okay not having the bugs on my face. I am okay not eating the special food and meeting all the special people. It's not, it's just not for me. I just don't think that missions is a, you know, we should be very careful with missions at churches. My dad was a missionary. He went to different parts of the world and he helped fund this and that. But then even with that, I'm like, what exactly what he, was he doing? Like, was he... Is he just some guy who just wants to travel around the world and he uses that to just do it? I don't, I don't know. Missionaries came, came and went to our church and the general kind of image that they gift for themselves is like these people love what they do they love being in a land that is not similar to their own homeland and they like talking about all the big things they're doing in that community of theirs so yeah that's usually what it is um 
when we came back from that Uzbekistan Kazakhstan mission trip um we made a stop in Korea and uh I stayed there and just kind of visited my relatives for a little bit and um hold on Bef on the way to Korea this was probably the best part of this mission story and I hope you enjoy it I thought it was funny here we all are conservative Pentecostal missionaries we finished our mission trip two weeks out in Uzbekistan, Kazakhstan. We did a lot of dancing. We prayed a out loud a lot. We gave a lot of money to churches. We saw a lot of different people. I flirted with a bunch of different girls from, you know, that culture. Um, I got to put on a show, you know, showing how ultra spiritual I was and as well as other people. We all got to practice speaking in tongues, you know, all that stuff. You know, we were all super spiritual. We got to, you know, praise God in Russian and help the kids in need, okay? And everything's great. And on the way back from, I believe, uh, Tashkent Airport, we're flying to so uh, Incheon Airport in Korea. We were all separated because for some reason, the plane tickets back from the missions, we all kind of got our own seats. So we were all separated. Me, the assistant pastor of this you know, Korean conservative Pentecostal holiness church. Looking around, looking around. I saw like a lot of my friends were sitting next to each other, but they're all like 10, 15 seats away from me. So I had a great idea. I was on my own. So I asked the stewardess, can I get a vodka and 7-Up please? Sure. Sure enough, I get a vodka 7-Up. My friends are walking by and I'm just acting like, oh, this is great water. <laughs> I take a sip. It's, uh, it's done. They, they came back and I'm like, would you like anything else? Like, yeah. Um, Can I get another vodka with a Coke now? Sure. And I started drinking on the plane ride back. Okay. And by the time we hit, uh, we got into like uh, Korea, like the, the area for, you know, when you're getting close to landing the thing comes like hey you know make sure you have your seat belts on your bags are above we came there and i was just out i'm just red face drunk i don't think i'm super drunk but i'm just definitely red face i'm kind of hot a little sweaty all my friends all these people who look up to me i'm, I'm like kind of like their pastor leading their bible group sometimes They're like hey sam how's your trip i'm like oh gosh i'm kind of sick i had to fake it i'm like i don't know and I could smell it on my breath, so I would talk away from them. We were we were we were landing, and everyone was kind of going in there a different way. Some people were going back home. Some people were also staying in Korea for longer. So we were all going separately. So I was like, I got I got drunk on the way back from missions to Korea, and it was awesome. After such a crazy trip, I was finally able amongst my team without them knowing i just ordered vodka one after the other and just got all messed up on the plane back as a celebration of such a good job that i did of recording all this footage instead of actually doing any of the moves and stuff it was such an awesome adventure um yeah that's awesome. And then, hey, and then I, when I came back to L.A., 
the the day after I came no the yeah the day I came back from LA my music buddy was having a show and he said hey I could use your help you want to perform on stage with me and so the day I came back from missions I did a rap show with my buddy at some club in the middle of like Beverly Hills it was one of the craziest experiences of my life <laughs> from the super spiritual, super holy, you know, oh, this crazy experience out of this world in a totally different culture in the spiritual realm, really complex things happening with relationships and different thoughts. And in all that breaking down, all in that plane ride to Korea, and this one little binge of drinking I did just knocked it all out. And then from that point on, I come to LA, and at that point, I'm just all long gone. I'm doing a show in a club. Uh, you know, I, I smoked a little weed before I went on stage with my buddy, drank a little bit. I went on stage and had fun, and that was my life. So, yeah. Um, missions <laughs> this story ended well this podcast ended well this story um so as you can see um even though i was a pastor and even though i was in ministry and really dedicated to church i also lived this other life of mine which was always involved in the entertainment industry i've been a music uh, a music a musician a producer a recorder um a rapper sometimes kind of singer for a while and it's been an interesting uh life kind of hopping in and out of these worlds uh every weekend i'd be partying and then i'd go to church and i'd be mr holy in front of everyone yeah that's me cephas crosslit and those are the type of stuff that you're going to listen to on this podcast and i'm so happy that i get to let it all out Listen, that's the end of our show today. I hope you enjoyed me just kind of going in and out of consciousness of different moments of my life of missions in my timeline. And uh, I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Um, once again, all questions, comments, feedback, anything to memoirs of a Christian minister at gmail.com. And listen to my other podcast show. It's called Manifest Christianity with Cephas Crosslit. And uh, I got a whole bunch more episodes in that show. I hope you're enjoying this. I will try to make more podcasts for this specific uh, show uh, more, but I feel it's going to be uh, interesting trying to get fit all these into my schedule. All right. Well, thanks for listening to my awesome stories. I'm going to be unloading a lot more and you're going to be listening to why I have to have a pseudonym pseudonym Cephas Crosslet because I even though I am a very dedicated Christian pastor I am also a very normal real human being that likes to relax that likes to have fun all right um have a great week and I'll talk to you later bye <laughs>